0: Hey friends, welcome in to this episode of Please Bear With Me. I'm very sorry that I didn't get an episode to you earlier this week, but if I could explain to you the extent of the busyness in my personal life over the past two weeks, I think you'd understand. This week we're doing something special as we prepare to transition out of football season over the next month or two and transition into the football offseason, which will include, please bear with me, covering all sorts of other Baylor athletics, such as... Basketball, both men's and women's, and then later baseball, and softball, and heck, some track and field, football recruiting, and football spring practice, and all of those great things. We will be getting into all of it as the football season winds down and the rest of the year picks back up. So this week, with us playing Kansas coming up, I thought this would be a great time to do a Baylor basketball preview episode. And I brought on a friend named Andrew Miner. And if you don't know who Andrew is, he is now riding with us at Bears Illustrated. And he is awesome. He was the president of the Baylor Bear Pit for two years while he was at Baylor. So he's a passionate basketball guy, he knows his basketball. And so he and I had a conversation about the upcoming season for Baylor's men's and women's basketball teams. And so that's what we're going to bring to you today. I've got two really, really legendary Baylor football guests lined up for the next couple of weeks. So don't worry, we're not done with football yet. But we are only a week away from the start of basketball season. And we are playing Kansas this week. And as we all know, Kansas is a basketball school, and let's be honest, this year, so are we. So without further ado, Bears Illustrated presents this week's Please Bear With Me. Here's my conversation with Bears Illustrateds Andrew Miner. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners and let them know kind of your history with Baylor and I know you've got some stories with the bear pit and things like that. Why don't you give us a quick intro to who you are?
1: Sure, thank you Scotty. Really excited to be here. Hello, please bear with me, podcast listeners. My name's Andrew Miner. I graduated from Baylor in 2015. And I've been living in San Antonio, working for AT&T since then, and also writing for uh, some different sites such as Our Daily Bears and now Bears Illustrated, which I'm really excited about. I, when I was at Baylor, uh, to answer your question, Scotty, I, I was a very passionate fan, and I was heavily involved in the basketball student student leadership for the student section, uh, being a part of the Baylor Bear Pit you know, got, got the uh, privilege and honor to, to lead some, some very special students and, and help grow a passionate Baylor basketball fan base uh, for three years as part of the leadership team. Basically, I was a, just a student fan, part of the student section, my freshman year, sophomore year, I was the um, public relations guy and then my junior and senior year, I was actually um, the president of the organ- of the leadership organization.
0: That's awesome, and if you could give me like your two or three, maybe the best experiences or favorite memories you have from that experience, what were they?
1: Man, that is a great question. Really, just seeing all the, you know, players come through and and being, uh, so so involved and and being so close to the the teams. I, I guess you know some some memories, some some favorite memories were probably rushing the court when we beat Kansas at home my sophomore, our, our sophomore year, which would have been 2013, during Pierre Jackson and A.J. Walton's uh, senior night, where we kind of throttled the Jayhawks there in a, in a really nice win, that, that was that was always great. And another great memory was probably when we had two games in the span of like 48 hours, probably our jun- junior year when we had Corey Jefferson, pretty sure Brady Heslop was on that team, when when Brady hit the game tying three against Kansas State, if I'm recalling correctly, to force force overtime, I'd have to fact check some of those. But that was that was a great moment. But the the best thing about being a, a part of the Bear Pit and that that whole experience was was helping lead the change after my sophomore year to really integrate and combine both the men's and women's student basketball spirit sections into one. And, you know, even as an alum, looking at how the Baylor Bear Pit has has grown as a student section into what it's become today has been really rewarding, Um, probably more rewarding than any single game that I could
0: outline. Awesome. I've got one more question before we get into this coming season. And if you had to trot out a starting five all-time, of the Drew era, who would your starting five be? And let me tell you mine. And Andrew, I don't know if you grew up watching Baylor basketball. I watched a lot of Baylor basketball before I even got to school. So a couple of these guys actually played before you and I were in school. But my starting five of the Drew era all time, I'd actually start Curtis Gerald's at point guard. He was probably the first true basketball star Drew brought in. I'd start Pierre Jackson at the other guard. I'd start Torian Prince Quincy AC and Epe Udo in the front court because a lot of Baylor fans like the recent guys like Mot Lee, Isaiah Austin, but I'm telling you there is nobody like Epe Udo, you know, setting Baylor's actually career blocks record in a single season of play (laughs) that tells you all you need to know about Epe Udo's dominance. So that's my thought. If you had to pick any five guys from the Drew era and there's a lot of good ones, which five are you trotting out to take on anybody?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first time I, you know, Baylor basketball was brought into the spotlight for me was probably during their NCAA tournament run in 2010 of course, I remember, um, which, I, you know, we were in high school, but I remember remember that quite fondly. I, I remember College Game Day being at the Farrell Center for the Baylor-Texas game with Harris uh, Dunn on that team and Perry Jones and, and them trying to kind of make a run for the tournament. Um, that was right before the Perry Jones suspension. That's kind of where my Baylor basketball knowledge and fandom darts. But and I've seen this discussion float around on uh, around on Twitter. I, I've seen it. You know, I, I've listened to you and and Ted Harrison talk about it on on other other podcasts. It it's tough because I like a lot of the bigs. I'll, I'll tell you, I you know.
0: There's been some good ones, man.
1: Yeah, it's been great, and and playing basketball. That's usually where I gravitate towards, right? Um, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna play, I'm probably gonna try to go in the post, just because that's that's where my strengths lie on on the pickup game. So if you're ever, you know. <laughs> wherever playing pickup, that's, that's where, you know, you'll put
0: oh, I'm five foot seven. So I need somebody right, like you yeah, on the court. I'm, I'm a little,
1: a little taller for the, for the nice pickup <laughs> games going on. But, uh, I mean, Isaiah Austin is a straight up beast, especially what he was able to do with, you know, with, with his whole history and the, um, his, his medical conditions and, and not only having one eye, uh, I, I, you know, obviously nobody knew that when he got to Baylor. So I think in hindsight, it's really impressive what he was able to do. And then, I love Motley, and I love Corey Jefferson. That's who I love the most. I really, really love Corey Jefferson um, because he's probably one of the few players I've been able to see turn the momentum of a game with a missed dunk. You know, yeah. s- s- Some of the games, he, you know, he, would, he would be in the open court or he'd be trying to dunk over someone, and, and he would just miss. It would ricochet off the rim, and, and the feral center would be electric. I mean,
0: Quincy Acey did that before he did too, but you're right, Corey was... Corey was epic.
1: Yeah, absol- absolutely. And Quincy AC is great. I so to answer your question, my starting five I'm probably going to go as Layarius Dunn, that's he he's like a he's more a guard, right? Yeah, he was a two guard. Yeah, so I'm probably going Pierre Jackson, he's the best point guard that I, Baylor seen, uh has seen, I would argue. Layarius Dunn at the two. I'd have Udo and Acey. In there, and I guess if I wanted to put another guard, in I'd do TP, and then I'd come Corey Jefferson off the bench for my for my six man
0: okay, so we're in agreement on four of the five. that's actually better than I expected.
1: yeah, I mean, and I think an argument I, I need to think about it even some more I, I would put you know I would flip TP and uh um Corey, but I just don't want to overload the the front court, so to speak, right. Right, if, yeah. if I have if I have Udo and AC and you know put another yeah. guy there
0: Udo AC and Corey none of those guys are great wings huh
1: <laughs> yeah I mean Corey could step out and shoot threes probably just not as often as you know as as you'd like same same with Motley right. and Isaiah you know for some reason big men can shoot the ball for for Scott True but um, you know TP was a special talent the only questions I would have with him is is you know. Is just mentally, you know, is he going to stay in it mentally? I think you saw some of that, you know, between him and and gathers kind of overflow against Yale and in, in the tournament and you know just some things. But you know, I'm oh just-
0: for sure. But to to his credit, he's been the best NBA player out of the bunch.
1: Oh, a- a- absolutely, absolutely.
0: It's interesting. I think, and then I, I promise we're about to dive into this coming season. But I think. We're, you've got a log jam in the front court if you take Drew's all-time players. You've also got a log jam at point guard because you said Pierre Jackson is probably the best, and, and there there's he absolutely might have the best argument. But I would take Curtis Gerald's, and part of that might be because he was the first, but he was a freak, almost, I mean, just as athletically freaky as Pierre um, and just a little bit of a different game. And honestly... The fact that Tweedy Carter gets lost in the shuffle is really sad cuz Tweedy Carter was a freak. Was
1: Tweedy Carter a true point
0: guard? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Again, yeah, I got I got to watch those teams when I was in high school and yeah, he was he was the starter for that first Elite 8 team that was it was him and Lace and AC and Udo and a big uh, center named Josh Lomers. Yeah, man, and that that team was exciting to watch. But anyway, let's get into this year starting with let's start with the men's basketball team okay both AP and coaches poll uh, Baylor's coming in at 24 preseason which is good and bad I guess it depends on how you look at it some people are like oh I like being in the the underdog I don't like being ranked preseason but heck 24 gives you a lot of room to grow a lot of room to climb high expectations without being outrageous Obviously, this team, I think, overperformed last year in a lot of people's eyes by getting to a sweet 16, and obviously, Jonathan Motley had the season of a lifetime. So, overall, what are your expectations for this team this year, losing a guy like Motley and coming in ranked in the top 25?
1: Right, yeah, I'd, I'd still say, I'd still argue that, you know, the Baylor Bears are are definitely the underdog. I mean, they were picked fifth in the Big 12 this year behind Texas and TCU and then Kansas and West Virginia at the top uh, self and, and Bob Huggins, you know, they're, they're, they're always going to have great teams um, and kind of be the perennial favorites. I mean, Kansas has won the conference 13 consecutive seasons, which, you know, I mean, you'd like to see some different banners some different colors up there as, as champions, but, you know, credit, credit to them. I'd, I'd love to see Baylor knock them off. They finished two, you know, second in the conference last year uh, with a 12 and six conference record. You know, I, th- I think 24 is a perfectly fine fine ranking for them coming in. You know, they're they're returning some key guys. They're returning uh you know, Big Joe At- Atulil, uh Jake Lindsey. They're um, mm-hmm. returning of course Manu LeCamp. if we want to, you know, talk about point guards, you know, just add him to the list and another so transfer. It. Almost every point guard that I think I've seen come through Baylor has, you know, been a transfer um starting with Pierre and, and moving forward and then Terry Mastin um you're probably we're probably gonna you know expect to see him um, you know kind of step it up in the front court you know um, when I'm just looking at this list and looking for you know for a big for a big man to to come and and shine so I think we're you know we're, we're returning a good good crop of kids they're experienced they they won some key games last year. Yeah, you know, I think we had a secret. We so we had a secret scrimmage. You know, the not so secret scrimmages uh, against Alabama in Atlanta um, the other weekend. I saw some highlights from that. I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen the final score, but I think it looked like we were we were winning from the highlights. Uh, so and and Alabama, for reference, was was ranked 25, and it, and it looked like you know we went to Atlanta and you know. Did quite well in, in the secret scrimmage. I also was at the uh, second half of the Baylor Houston game, that raised over twenty thousand dollars for the relief of Hurricane Harvey during Homecoming weekend, and and Baylor actually lost that game, but they they looked good. The two points that I would say, Scotty, would be, you know, how is our front court going to do? you know defensively and are we going to dominate you know offensively kind of like we've done with uh with Motley with with Jefferson with I, uh, Isaiah Austin right is is Achulio and uh Terry Mastin are, are they going to do that are they going to kind of step up and and take the lead on that you know I think Achulio did very well in the, in the tournament games and uh Terry Mastin was a great kind of you know um sixth seventh man off the bench in the rotation if i'm remembering correctly but both only averaged uh you know both averaged under 10 points a game for the whole for the whole season
0: to that point as i look at this roster andrew i see i see a lot of potential a lot of ceiling and a lot of depth in the front court you've got i think actually is a stud especially defensively that guy is a monster I think Maston takes a big step up this year. I think Nuneo Mott contributes big time this year. And Coach Drew's really been talking up Tristan Clark, who's the uh, freshman out of San Antonio. Where I see a potential red flag is in the backcourt. Because on the roster right now, we have five guards listed. One of those is transfer Mario Kegler, who I think is going to be a very good player for the Bears, but has to sit out this season due to transfer rules. You've got three proven guys coming back with LeCompte, Lindsey, and King McClure, who are all three, I think, really great players and, and, and have big roles this year. The other guy is Tyson Jolly. How much does he have to contribute this season? How much does he have to grow up quickly as a, as a redshirt freshman, and what do you expect out of him this year?
1: Yeah, so Tyson Jolly right now, he did not play in the game against Houston. I think he's out till December with a medical condition. So the question is can he get back healthy and, and do everything that he needs to do? Um, I think it's some, some sort of blood clotting. I'm not sure if it's the same thing that Chris Chris Bosch had dealt with yeah. in, in Miami. So, you know, first of all, you know, prayers out to him. Hopefully he's you know, can fight that and, and get get back on the court when when I think the coaches expect him to but quick story about Jolly as a redshirt freshman and I think there are two redshirt freshmen that you know you sh- the, the, the bear you know Baylor fans should expect to really give a big lift and boost to this team especially if we're gonna make a deep run and vie for a conference title and, and go deep in the postseason it's probably Tyson Jolly and and Mark Vitale but Tyson Jolly was was described to me uh from a Baylor manager last uh Baylor basketball manager last year as as the energy bunny. So, you know, they were already seeing him you know at the beginning of the season last year as as maybe someone that can come in off the bench and just provide a lot of energy, a lot of hustle, a you know guard that's pretty much ready a 6'4 guard that's ready to play, you know, today, right? Of course, they redshirted him last year. Bale had a great year, went from unranked to number 1 at one point, had an incredible non-conference run and and all the postseason success and accolades that they got to where they could, you know, had that luxury to redshirt uh, Jolly and, and uh, Vital. Um but I think if he comes back healthy, you can definitely look for for him and Mark to be energy uh, bunnies, you know, kind of keeping it going and and Jolly to help out LeCompte and Jake Lindsey um with the ball handling duties so is he is he more of a point tough tough for me to say I, I think he's more of a probably a two guard I mean I think the only when I'm looking at the roster I see the only true point guard as uh as Lecomte I, I don't even think you know Jake Lindsey would be classified as maybe a true true point guard he has he has great handles you know and his turnover ratio was 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 great um uh, as well, I mean both both Lecombe and Jake uh,'s turnover ratios were you know turnover to assist ratio. That's what I mean when I say when I say that were phenomenal. I'm trying to do the math here. You know it was Jake had a 2.8 to one assist to turnover ratio um, from from last year, and Manu was just under two to one, which is what I look for in a point guard um, about a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Uh, But I I think that the question is how long, you know, how long can they can they go, you know, and and are, you know, is Lacombe and Lindsay are they going to have the support from from the big guys uh, down low to where, you know, they're converting on on the passes and running the plays properly? And we're not going to have to rely on, you know, um, a lot of shooting from, you know, from Lacombe. Lacombe averaged 12.2 points last season uh, per game. If we have to, you know, boost that up, you know, plus six or plus five, um, it, you know, for us to win this year, you know, I think it can be done. The question I think a lot of people are asking is, is that sustainable?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people believe LeCompte is the undisputed leader of this team, one that one that kind of comes naturally with the point guard position, but two, he really was at times last year absolutely dynamic and seem to score at will there were other times that he seemed to get tunnel vision and just take some terrible shots especially a couple late in games i don't remember there was one in particular where he literally put up an air ball dadgummit i wish i could remember which game that was last year that he did that at the end of at the buzzer but that being said what what does he have to do to take his game to the next level I think he's got to just continue to be a fishing and
1: for me for a point guard that doesn't mean scoring the ball it, it means leading an offense and and being that you know undisputed leader on the on the court um points are great but I look more for that assist to turnover ratio and the percentage of of shots um you know made he, you know he was he was hitting over he hit over 40 percent of his, his three-point field goal attempts last last year so I, I think i you know, to take it to the next level, he's just gotta. I think start fast in games and lead the team to help the team start fast early, and then use you know get to the line and um, hit some key shots maybe down the stretch to to you know provide that separation
0: um, middle of the game. So where does where does the big? You've named a couple names, but I want to know honestly what you believe. With Motley gone, where do you make up those points? Is it Mastin? Is it King McClure? Is it Achul? You know where where are those points going to come from?
1: So I think I think in the in the back or in um in the front court. Sorry, uh, Joe and and Mastin will will see some you know increased increased points per game, um, especially Mastin. He on, he only averaged seven point one points a game and and fifteen point six minutes a game. Uh, last season, but I think the biggest when you're looking at the gap of of points that have you know graduated between or or left between Motley and Al Freeman and and Ish, um, it's definitely King McClure. I think King McClure is the X factor for Baylor. You saw it. You saw it last year um, against Louisville when he came in off the bench and hit five three pointers um, uh, in the in the Bahamas um, Battle for Atlantis tournament. Uh, you know he's you know if 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 jolly and 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 vital and even Tristan clark are are going to be these you know un, uh unnamed no name underclassmen if you will that are going to help propel the be- uh the bears to you know great heights i i think they'll be able to do so uh, the more effective king mcclure is uh, so i i definitely see him as as making up the gap he he averaged 5 points you know, per game last year, uh, only, you know, he and, you know, he had about a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, um, and his shooting was about 36% from from three, uh, but I, I think the more, you know, he's going to get a lot more minutes and a lot more responsibilities thrust on him this year, and, you know, was actually fortunate enough to, to speak with him the other day, and, and I think he... Um, he's excited to get ramped up, and you know, just excited for another season of basketball.
0: I was literally about to ask if you've met him because he is one of the nicest, most genuine dudes I've ever talked to.
1: He's a, he's a cool guy, um, and and all these guys are, you know, you know, being tied in with the bear pit and some managers and and whatnot on on both teams. You know, every everybody's really nice, and and they definitely they only want to succeed and and make the fans happy. So they you know they they thrive off off fans coming out and, and, and screaming and, and supporting them. And, you know, on game days, um, so that they, they really are, um, you know, super nice and, and,
0: you know, and, and very talented. This is a really, really odd tangent. And this is what, this is the last thing I want to ask before we get into the women's basketball Scott drew and what he has built out of shambles, right. When he came in, and, and building the Baylor Bears basketball team into a perennial top 25 team, a consistent Sweet 16 basketball team, is pretty remarkable. And I think it speaks volumes that, as most of us know, Scott Drew is, is just a, a man who is very high on character, looks for those high character quality guys. He's very open about his faith and his beliefs and kind of his Christian values, right? Right. Reminds me a lot of a guy who's trying to resurrect a football program right now. If you're a Baylor fan and you've been frustrated by the football team this season, is there any, and I know it's not, I know we're comparing apples to oranges, right? Like I know it's not the same thing. But is there anything to be said for the resurrection job that Scott Drew's done to say, here's a guy who came in and did it with character and focused on getting good young men in to play and he's built this powerhouse program is there is that any comparison or any kind of optimism in in that you can kind of compare that to what rule is trying to do with the football program
1: yeah i mean i think absolutely you can compare you know compare the two definitely has a little bit of that trust the process flavor right from the gridiron to the the hardwood uh, between the two i mean both coaches coming in in the wake of a scandal, um, and, and and not just a small scandal, like a national, nationally recognized and talked about and 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 heated scandals on on both sides, right? So I was looking at this earlier. The first four years of, of the Scott Drew era, they you know he he won twelve total conference games in the first four seasons, right? And then in the past past eight years, like he, he's taken Baylor to. Uh, Four Sweet Sixteens, and and when he's not going to the Sweet Sixteens, you know he's he's at least in the NCAA tournament or winning the NIT with what may be, you know what could be argued as the best Baylor basketball team there um, that he's had. Uh, that you know if you remember that year, that was that was the year when we upset Kansas at the end of the season. Um, just wasn't enough to get into the tournament. That you know. That was one of the most one of my favorite teams. Could definitely think make the argument for you know best Baylor basketball team of all time. But but yeah, but because look at you know going not to go too deep down the rabbit hole here, Scotty. But look at what Drew has done you know with with his players. I mean, it's it's the development. I think almost every point guard is has transferred here from somewhere else. Whether it's uh, Manu LeCamp, Pierre Jackson, Kenny Cherry. Look at you know redshirting Corey Jefferson and, gosh, I'm blanking on some names here. But they're not all you know. At one point, it was oh Scott Drew's just going out recruiting the best you know getting the best recruits, and that was really only the case for for a few people. Everybody else, he's just he's just mixed and matched and and forced puzzle pieces together.
0: Well, and like you said, his a lot of people say Scott Drew can't coach, but like. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, one, because of the team's success, but two, I'm going to name four players who are all, to the best of my knowledge, still playing in the NBA, or at least in the G League, who came in as nobodies, okay? Quincy Acy, Jonathan Motley, Corey Jefferson, and Epe Udo. Don't forget Royce O'Neill either. Great point, Yeah he transferred from a community college. No,
1: right? uh he, sh- he transferred from uh Denver.
0: Okay. My fault. But yeah, no, that's a, that's another great one. Guys who all came in, I think, with very little expectation. You know, Corey Jefferson was not a highly ranked guy out of high school. Quincy AC was is six foot seven and is still playing power forward in the NBA. You know, and, and that's that's a credit to his coaching. You know, that's that's a you know, Epe Udo came over from Michigan, after averaging like, you know, something like four or five points a game, redshirted for or one season as a transfer, and then in one year became the number six overall pick in the NBA draft.
1: And you know, another another uh, transfer that Scott Drew had. That's a great point about about Udo. I didn't I didn't know he was a transfer from Michigan, but Brady Heslip was a transfer. Yeah, from Boston College. I mean, it's you know he just he just gets the players i I think it speaks to an eye for recruiting and but not not like the recruiting in the sense of you know john calipari recruiting but but recruiting your your needs um a lot of what like you know wisconsin or iowa football does where you know they, they find the guys that you know they need to to fit and, and match you know with their program and then they just take it and they you know, and and they just do their their thing. And all of a sudden you look up and Baylor's number one or they're three or they're in the sweet sixteen again. So it's quite not not improbable, but it, it's it's quite impressive. And the in-game coaching I think is is fine as well. Um to to be honest with you. So if if the deeper question of what you're getting at here is you know, can Matt Rule do the same for the football team? I, I I think the answer is yes. I I think you know everybody needs to kind of just take a deep breath and ultimately just relax on that front just a little
0: bit. Um, oh, for sure. With how the season's gone, for sure. Now looking over at Kim Mulkey's squad. By the way, if if Matt Rule doesn't work, I'm going to petition for Kim Mulkey to become our next head football coach. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Look, looking at looking at Kim Mulkey's squad, you've lost some really good pieces off of last year's team. Nina Davis, who in my opinion is one of the best four-year players at Baylor has ever seen, she was phenomenal. You lost Alexis Prince, Alexis Jones. You, of course, you've got you've got some stars back: Christy Wallace, Kalani Brown. I'm sure expectations are high, but what what do you see the season for Baylor women's basketball? Yep.
1: Yeah, so. For this year, they've already been ranked. So they lose everybody that you mentioned. Prince, Jones, Nina Davis, and uh, actually lost Khadija Cave as well. Four seniors that capped off four straight Elite Eights for under Kim Mulkey's watch. And they're still ranked three in the preseason USA Today coaches poll. So if that gives you any indication of what the rest of the country thinks about the talent that Baylor still has, uh, either returning or bringing in, That should answer all your questions right there. You know, if you're a Baylor Lady Bears fan, which I encourage everybody to be, I don't know why you wouldn't be. I mean, this team is going to be phenomenal yet again. They're probably going to... You know, the expectations should be they're on their way to an eighth straight conference title and a seventh conference tournament title in the last eight years. So I I think expectations are probably just as high. You know, I, I don't think... They're probably uh, final four expectations. Although I do think they have the talent to get there, but I I haven't heard anybody, you know, really beating the drum. Usually, the coaches and and Baylor likes to beat the drum, especially over the past three years when when they've come up short in the Elite Eight uh, year after year. Um, the next year, it always seemed like you know redemption or this is this is the year we're gonna get there. I haven't heard a whole lot of that just around and about, but you know I, I was fortunate enough to you know kind of be at a practice uh, over the homecoming weekend and and you know this team looks to be the most athletic team that I've that I've seen that that Baylor has had really mm-hmm. yeah and when I say athletic Scotty I mean just raw talent and um you know the speed agility you know, the quickness of of all, the whole team combined so that they have a short you know a short roster they only have 10, 10 players on the team right now um and of course they have that you know amazing class coming in from next year yes you know which which is only going to make them better but the 10 that they have right now is they're they're very very good
0: so who's someone that we may not be as familiar with who's going to stand out this year for them that's a great question you mentioned christy wallace and kalani brown
1: as um um, some returners coming back I'd say I'd say uh Natalie Cho is probably your um your x-factor on the woman's side you know after those two players after Wallace and Brown it's probably Natalie Cho who's uh a sophomore on the team really good you know tremendous shooter she only averaged she averaged 4.7 points a game they you know and and Kim Mulkey is all very uh not harsh or critical, but, you know, very open in saying, like, yeah, she'll, she passed up on a lot of open shots and opportunities last year, um, because she didn't need to take those with all the talent surrounding her when she was in the game, you know, um, getting 14, 14 minutes a game and she's only, you know, scoring, you know, 4.7 points, you know, she's a, she's a three-point threat, she's a defensive threat, um, you know, that, that's someone that, uh, is probably going to do a lot of uh, damage for uh, for Mulkey's team this year.
0: Hey Andrew, there's this uh, for whatever reason Baylor seems to have trouble getting people to basketball games. I think there's a there's a stereotype that well the women's games are are full of old people and uh, the men's team is you know this or that or the other man. What what would you say? To fans about the importance of being in the Feral Center for some of these games.
1: I think it's it's imperative that that you get out and if you have the ability, especially for students, to go out and support the both teams. Uh, not only are you going to see great top twenty five basketball night in night out uh, from from Baylor, you know, but it's also just a also just a great time. And and they really need the home court advantage. You're, you know, basketball is a, such a vastly different sport than football or soccer or any other sport uh in the sense that you can you can turn the the tide of the game and you can help create the momentum and really rattle opponents and swing the game in baylor's favor you know especially with the student section you're right there you're right next to the court underneath the um the basket right by the opponent's bench all night and you get to you know yell and scream and shout and and mock and and jeer and cheer you know all night um so besides seeing great basketball and it being a lot of fun uh it's imperative I mean Scott Drew uh, is very open about saying you know we need to get kids there um that they're a 10-point swing at least night in night out you know a 10-point swing just think about how many close games that Baylor's had over the years that we've lost you know, could could have a couple of extra fans made made the difference and, and helped make a six point swing, you know, a ten point swing or something like that. Yeah, you know, who knows? But uh, Ferrell Center, I think, is a you know great place to play and it's just a great place to hang out and be at. Uh, I think the you know the Bear Pits really made some great strides and and is doing a great job of uh, you know, especially for the students to uh, to create that, that atmosphere and environment.
0: After what's been a really, really rough summer, and a maybe even more difficult fall concerning um, the football program, how important is it, and how exciting is it to have two elite teams taking the court for the school in basketball?
1: Uh, it's gotta be—it's gotta be tremendously ex- exciting. Um, unfortunately, I'm not on campus every day to feel how palp- uh, palpable it is, right? But. You know, it's it's exciting because, of course, sure, you can say, you know, there's winning culture. I think it's it's more exciting probably for for fans that are spread out, you know, um, all across the nation for Baylor because, you know, they're just seeing football lose week in, week out and not not in vain and not without effort and trying and all that good stuff. But, you know, a lot of defeats nonetheless don't, don't feel good. Um, so I think it would be nicer for people that are watching uh, that aren't in Waco. Uh, you know, to, to see a turnaround and have some you know, have some victories, um, maybe and and hopefully, you know, with the way the projections are, you know, uh some some fairly positive seasons. But I think for on campus and and students and, and things like that, I, I think, you know, I, I would make the argument, right? I would make the argument that for students on there, of course it's nice to win but hopefully it's just a it's just a rollover and it's ex- an extension of the college experience to, you know, to where there's really no bearing on on football affecting basketball or, or vice versa. It's just this is the next thing to go do. This is the next thing, uh, the next chapter of of our year at Baylor. And I, I kind of see that's kind of how I've I, kind of how I've always experienced it. It's just a, it's just another experience to go do. And, and for, for the students there. I know they're having a lot of, lot of fun with that, and you know, hopefully some wins obviously wouldn't wouldn't hurt.
0: Okay, Andrew. Before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts about the upcoming basketball season? Sure do. Uh,
1: I think it would be a lot of fun, but I think for the you know two final thoughts, one for men's, one for women's. On the on the men's side, I think it's going to go. Uh, the season's going to go the way of uh, Manu uh How how he performs, it's going to it's going to really depend on the. Uh, the point guard there, and and let's see what you know how the supporting cast uh, can come to play as 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 well. But it's really going to depend on um, Manu and 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 King. I would throw in there um, for Manu to lead the team and King to be that X factor. On the women's side, I think they have a lot of talented freshmen coming in, a lot of underclassmen doing doing things right. We talked about you know an X factor in Natalie Cho, but again, it's going to be h- how far can Chrissy Wallace take them and, and leading them at the point guard position and how effectively can that duo between Wallace and Kalani Brown, who I've argued since the middle of last season as the being the best player in the in the nation in all of women's college basketball, um, how effective can can that duo be uh, between the Australian national team player and the U.S. national team player? But I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, and and fans, you know, get out to the Farrell Center. If you're a student, get to the Baylor Bear Pit and um, let's have some fun this year.
0: Heck yeah. Hey, Andrew, next time you're in town to go to a game, let's go to the Slick and play some pickup basketball and pretend like we're good at it. And man, thanks for coming on the podcast. So there you have it. That is the way Andrew and I look at the Baylor basketball teams as this season quickly approaches starting next week. I cannot wait to see what these two teams will do this season. High expectations for both, but definitely some room to impress and to grow as we get into the basketball season. Thanks again to Andrew for being my guest this week. As for the football game coming up tomorrow against Kansas... Let's freaking go. It's time to get that first win, and so I hope that all of you are able to watch and enjoy what should hopefully be a really good football game between the Baylor Bears and the Kansas Jayhawks. Charlie Brewer getting the start. Let's say a quick prayer for his health as Zach Smith is injured and Anu Solomon is no longer with the team. But hey, I am hoping for the best for the football team tomorrow. I'm expecting a win, and I hope you are too. If you have any thoughts to share with me, if you would like your voice heard on the podcast, whether it has to do with the basketball season coming up or the football team, please shoot me an email at scottswingler at gmail.com or follow the podcast on Twitter at bear underscore podcast and feel free to shoot a tweet at us. We would love your participation in the show. I would love to hear from you. And that's going to be it for this week's episode. Thanks for hanging with me this week. Next week, we'll have a legendary Baylor football guest. I'd like to thank Tim Watkins and Jeremy Wilson. I'd like to thank Andrew Miner for coming on. I would like to thank Travis Thompson for all of the music you heard on the show today. Mr. Sean Scoobel created that dope logo for the show. For everyone at Bears Illustrated, my name is Scotty Swingler, and this has been the Please Bear With Me podcast.